All right. Uh, well, my name is Joel Halpin. I am the pastor of this church, and I want to thank you all, first of all, for being here. If this is your first, second, third, or if you've been here many times, I'm very excited. Before we get in, I want to speak to some of you that are just uh, new here, and I want to speak to all of you, but uh, specifically if you're new here, I want to put uh, two ways you can really get connected at this church. Um, first one is, boo on Ballard tomorrow if you would like to serve. That would be a great way just to be in the trenches kind of with some people that are connected to this church. My heart, I, I was so excited about Boo on Ballard getting uh, postponed, and I'll tell you why. Um, Boo on Ballard is uh, one of the largest things that the city of Wiley does, and I actually was talking with some other pastors. I had lunch with some pastors on uh, Wednesday, and they're going to have booths as well. And so almost every corner, there's going to be people, there's going to be churches that proclaim, great churches that proclaim the gospel, and I'm excited that we get to be one of them. But um, and so that really got me excited because by postponing it, to, uh, we gave us another day to talk about it here. But it also understand anytime you postpone something, that means less people will probably show up. They were expecting well over 5,000. And so now, even if it's just a few thousand, that's a better opportunity for us to connect with people and just to introduce ourselves and to be known by people. And so it's a great opportunity for us. Um, so I really want you to, uh, to consider serving, even if you're new here and you're like, I'm not even a member of this church, I'm not, hey, you can still sign up to serve, and that might be a good way to meet other people. Um, and the other thing is, I want you to uh, circle November 17th, which is a Sunday, and on that Sunday, the details aren't finalized yet, but I'm going to have a lunch of some sort, and if you are new and want to know how to join the church, we haven't, if you've been coming, we haven't really talked about membership at all, but I do want, want you to know we're going to um, have a lunch on that day following church if you would like to know about membership because some of you are probably or have asked about that and would like some uh, direction so that is coming up so put that on your calendar if you want uh, and you'll be able to ask questions it's not going to be um, too uh, in-depth other than you'll get to know me get to know the vision of our church and uh, yeah and we would love to connect you with Connection Point Church now I really believe that there are so many great churches in this city but I believe we have a unique calling as a church. I believe that there are some things Connection Point Church uh, specifically can speak to that is the reason some of you are in this church is because God has said, hey, I want you to hear the gospel this way. I want you to connect with these people going through this thing. I think it's important. Today, we're going to start a three-week series where we're going to talk about what would really technically and business speak be the strategy of Connection Point Church. Now, we as a church, we exist for a mission that is to lead people. If you're new and you couldn't understand the mumble jumble, it is to lead people from where they are to where God wants them to be. That's the mission. That's what every day we want you to be. Wherever you are, if you are far from God, we want to lead you to where God wants you to be. If you are walking with the Lord, we want to help you on your journey to be where God wants you to be. But how we do that, I've always kind of wrestled with. We've, we've had steps before. We've had the three C's, the four C's, the five C's, back to the three C's before. We've always stressed, do you just go to a class? Is that how we disciple people? And one of the things that God spoke to me a lot is through my own journey. I've never taken a class and become a disciple. I never had that opportunity. And so today, I want to show you how God answers all of your prayers when you follow Christ. And I want to do it by talking about our strategy, okay? I believe, and this is some of you are going to be like, okay, we're, we're overstepping. I believe every prayer that you have can be answered through this church. I believe every problem that you have can be solved 
can be solved through this church. And I want to tell you how, okay? And I want to go through my journey a little bit so you understand. When I first felt the call even to start a church, I would always look for silver bullets, so to speak. I would look for the lottery ticket. I would look for this is how, if I just need this one thing, and if I do this, then I'll be successful, then this is what we need. And so I felt God calling me to start a church, and immediately I wrote to all of these other churches and, and, and some people that I knew, but mainly to organizations and said, hey, can you give us money? Because we were going to need money. And no organization sent us money, maybe one or two churches at the beginning before we had even, even did that. And so I just got before God, and I was like, God, we got to have some money. How is this going to work? I don't have any people, and I don't have any money. How are we even going to start a church? And so we prayed about it. I resigned my, my job, and I had about two months' worth of salary to get by. And in those two months, God did an amazing thing. He, first of all, my brother and sister-in-law said, Hey, we will join this church that doesn't exist yet. We'll be a part of it, and you can meet in our house. And then I had uh, Stephanie Masulo, um, who I hadn't talked to uh, in, in a little while, come and say, Hey, we want to be a part of your church. But I didn't even invite her to, I didn't even like write her and say, hey, be a part of my church. She just came and said, hey, we're going to be a part of your church. And we're like, all right, we're going to meet at my brother's house in a couple of weeks. And then my, my wife had a friend at, at work that they came and they, they met with us then. And then I had a, a family that contacted me that heard I was doing. I don't know even how they heard I was starting a church. We ha really hadn't even publicized it. And we had our first gathering and it was like four or five families in uh, my brother and uh, sister-in-law's house and like these families did something amazing at the end of it I I took up a collection we took up a collection and they all tithed and I'm not saying they gave like twenty dollars like they they gave ten percent of what they were earning then and all of a sudden I realized oh my gosh we're going to be able to go another month and that was pretty exciting at the time and if you fast forward a little bit through the first really five years of this church Every single year, our top giver left the church. And it was just something that happened. And every single time that happened, I would pray to myself, I go, God, I need somebody to just send a big check or something to provide for this. And every single time, somebody else already in our church would get a promotion, God would do something, and we wouldn't ask for it, but people would just begin being generous, like you guys are very generous, and, and God would provide, and we uh, never missed a paycheck, we never had to miss the venue, uh, we always paid the bills, every single thing, and it came when, when these moments where I was like, God, I need this thing, this resource, and God always provided, and probably the biggest lesson I learned uh, a few years ago, and I'm just being honest with you, probably the most painful time I've had leading this church is when we had a mass exodus. Now, churches go through this. This is nothing unusual, um, and nobody did anything wrong, but it's just a painful thing that happens when a group of people leave the church kind of together, and they never really told me why. It just kind of people left the church. And I remember going and thinking to myself, man, we're never going to survive this. How are we going to survive this many people leaving the church at one time? And the incredible thing is not only did God bring more people and continue to bring more people, but uh, Ashley Green and Megan Williams came to me the next, uh, within a couple of weeks of that. And they said, hey, Joel, 
we want to lead the small groups. And at that time, we didn't really have a leader that was overseeing all the small groups and said, we want to take control of the relationships of how people are connected. And we want to make sure that, that, we, that we are just leading well. And so they took over this. And they're the first people on our leadership team. The only time ever that I've had people say, hey, we're joining your leadership team or we're joining, we're going we're to take control of this. What I want you to see is this. Every single prayer that I ever prayed uh, when I was starting this church was, God, bring me this resource. And it was never a resource problem. Every problem I've ever had has been a relationship problem. It's been solved by God bringing me a who, not a what. Every single time I thought I needed money, God brought me a relationship. Every time I thought I needed, uh, you know, just insight or something, God brought me a person to speak into me. Every time I, I needed anything in this, not just the church, but in my life, God has solved it with a person, a relationship. One of the things I want you to see, no matter what you're facing today, you think you have a resource problem. You think if I could just have this or that, then I could be successful. If I could get a new house, a new job, whatever it is, if I just had this, then I'd be where I want to be. And what I want to show you is that God will answer your, pr your prayers with relationships. That is how he works. That is why we prioritize relationship over religion. You never win the lottery. You just don't. God is going to use the people in your life and the relationships that he will form to change your life. I see this uh, a lot of times when people approach us. Now, as a church, I get probably once or twice a month, I'll get somebody who finds us on the internet. And they'll send a letter or an email or uh, they'll call. And what they'll, they'll say is basically, hey, I can't pay my bills. Can you give us money? And in their mind, I understand where they're at because I've been there. You've been there. You're at the, the last, you've, you've exhausted everything, and you cry out, God, can you please help me? Can you pay this bill? And you think your problem is the bill. You think it's your problem is the resource. You don't have enough money. And so where better than to go to the people in the God business, right? You go to a church, and even if you've never met that church, you've never been to that church, you go, and there's this expectation, the church is going to give me money. And, and unfortunately, we can't pay everybody's bills. And so I always respond by asking three questions. And every time I ask these questions, I already know the answer to these questions. The first question I ask is, what is your church doing for you? And every single time I know how it's going to go. They're going to say, well, we don't go to church. Well, you know, we, we are a member of this church, but we don't really know anyone there. We don't actually, you know, we've gone a few times, but, uh, but we're not connected there. I'll say, well, what about your family? Tell me about your family and uh, where are you with, well, I can't go to my, you know, my husband, uh, he's, a, he's an addict. Or, or my, my dad, he's, my, we don't speak anymore. And there's always this broken relationship. And, and I'll ask, well, well, what about your current job? Why aren't you in a job? Well, you know, they, 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 they just, they don't see, see it my way. I can't, I, I had to leave that job. And it's always why the other person, the other job, the employer, it was always someone else. But I will see three relationships that are always broken. There's no true relationship with God. There's a, a picture of God that they think God is like. They think they know who God is like. They think they know how he's supposed to work. There's this 
image of them, of they, they think they know who they are. They think that, you know, I should have a job, but life has happened to me. You know, I should be able to overcome this. If, if people wouldn't keep getting in the way, I could handle this. And then every other relationship, their, their co-workers, their family, their friends, for some reason, all of those relationships get broken. And that's how you get to the point where you're at a, where you're at a place where you have only just lottery tickets. That's your only way out. And it's so hard for me to speak into this because it's hard to show somebody if you just had these three relationships, if you just had these strong relationships, you would not be asking a church you've never asked for money. So I got good, good, in, good news and bad news. Good news is, son, you don't have 99 problems. You only got three, okay? You got three problems. You have three broken relationships, and we all have them. Okay, that's the good news. However many problems you think you have, you've got three. The bad news is, if you're more than two years old, these relationships are probably already broken. You probably have already missed the true identity of who God is. You probably have already begun to, to pick up some baggage that keeps you from seeing who you could and should be, and it's already infected your relationships in some way. And that's why I'm so insistent that for a church, rather than having a class or, or the three steps, if you'll just identify our strategy, and it's muddy, relationships take time. It's nothing that in the next year you're going to be where you want to be. Relationships sometimes take a lifetime. But if you will begin to see that if I could just reconcile these three, we call them three great relationships, a relationship with God, a relationship with ourselves, and our relationship with others. If you could reconcile these, then I promise you, you could begin to see every prayer you've ever prayed answered. Okay? And so that's what we're going to do for the next three weeks. We're going to go through. Today, we're going to talk about knowing God. If you could know God, the true God, not who you think God is. If you could know what God is really like, who He really is, that would give you an image of God. And if you could see the image of God, that's who you could grow yourself into the image of God. Not who do you want to be, not who you think you should be, but who does God say, this is who you should be. If you can grow truly in his image, you'll begin to make decisions, you'll begin to, to see life changes, and then your life will open up and it will flow into every relationship you have and you can begin to show others so today we're going to talk about knowing God. Next week we're going to talk about growing yourself. And the third week we're going to um, talk about showing others the love of God. But the third week we're going to do church in the park and we're not having a sermon. We're simply going to be together and we're going to love others. We're going to have games. We're going to have fellowship. We're going to have, uh, we're going to have a great time. We're going to have uh, food and all of those things. And it's going to be living the embodiment of that third relationship. So today we're going to meet a man in John chapter 3, and this guy is someone who already, if you would have thought, now that's a guy who knows God, it would have been this guy. And so I want to go ahead, find your Bible, open your Bibles. You can also go to connectionpoint.life. Please, uh, I would encourage all of us to open our phones, go to connectionpoint.life, because at the end of this message, I'm actually going to point you to a Bible reading plan that we can do together, that you can join us um, at the end. And so I want you to go connectionpoint.life and find the, uh, the sermon notes, the second card there. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. 
This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. The first thing I want you to see about knowing God is that knowing God begins with humility. Knowing God begins with humility. And when we look at Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a a rabbi, a teacher. And this was a guy who, if anyone should have known God, it was a Jewish rabbi who had memorized, if not the entire Hebrew scriptures, most of it. Spoke, wrote Hebrew. He was able to teach others and answer the big philosophical questions in life. Nicodemus, he was somebody that was more famous than Jesus. The Beatles tried it. Nicodemus did it. Of course, he came before Jesus really peaked. So Nicodemus at this time has a lot of stature. In fact, he goes at night so that people will will not know Nicodemus is going there. But nevertheless, he goes. And I want you to think about the humility it takes for somebody to say, I don't even think I know everything about God. In fact, you know, they always say the first step of knowledge is knowing that you don't know. I mean, I don't know if you know all that, but most of us don't know what we don't know. We don't even know that there's more to know, but Nicodemus at least knew, you know what? There's something I don't know. Even though everyone comes to me and, and, and asks questions about God, there's something I don't know. And so he makes this decision. He sees these signs. And by the way, if you'll notice in the Bible, rarely is the word miracle. In fact, usually it's not translated miracle. It's translated signs because Jesus wasn't doing miracles. He wasn't doing miracles that are just like, hey, look at me. He was doing signs. And the signs might have broke the laws of nature, but the signs point to something. Signs always point to something. And every miracle Jesus did was actually a sign that pointed to who he is. And Nicodemus saw this sign. He said, there's something this man knows about God that I don't know about God. It's uh, the first step of being a Jedi is you must unlearn what you, what you learn. That's the first step of being a Christian, okay? That's the first step of following Jesus. And, and every single thing you know about life starts when you unlearn something. Financially for me, I remember there was a time when we were in debt. Eric and I, we were in debt and we were making poor decisions. We didn't know they were poor, but we didn't know what we didn't know. And then we, we read some books. We read uh, the Dave Ramsey, and, and, and we began to, to see, you know, what there are people that actually live on less than they make. That's amazing to us. There are some people that don't buy a new car like every three years. There are some people that live in the same house their whole life, and they actually pay that house off, and then they don't have a house. Pay. And all these things just blew our minds. We were like, wait. You mean we don't have to go in debt? We don't have to chase this life of upgrades? And just seeing that all of a sudden opened up. We didn't know what we didn't know. The same thing goes, you know, health-wise. I always thought, of course, of course I know how to be healthy. Right? You just got to work out. You got to eat right. right? And, and for some reason, three years ago, I weighed 240 pounds. And I look back and I think to myself, you know, it just came to this, this point where I was like, you know, maybe I don't know how to be healthy. Maybe I don't know, and I had to make some decisions. I had to decide, I'm going to ask some people that know what they're doing. In fact, I don't know if y'all know this, but I take jujitsu. Anybody know that? Okay, yeah. It's new information to you, I know. You know the first lesson you, they teach you that you learn when you take a martial arts? It's how to fall. You know, I thought I was pretty good at falling before I, before I took the lesson on how to fall, and I found out I don't even know how to fall right. You don't know what you don't know, but here's what I want you to see. Is every single one of you in here has a problem 
that you think is unsolvable. Maybe your marriage, it may be your job, it may be a relationship, it may be your parenting, it may be your mental health, it may be your outlook on life, and there's an area, and it's probably, you know what, my relationship with God, it is what it is, I already know where it's at. But you think you know enough to say it could never get any better, it can never be fixed, and that's exactly where God is going to meet you. When you look at your marriage that you've struggled with your whole life, you look at your finances, you look at even your relationship with God, which says, you know what, I'm, I'm too far gone, or, or I'm not a church person, or whatever is speaking into you, and you open your mind and you say, you know what, maybe I don't know everything there is to know. Maybe God can do more in this situation than I ever thought he could. That's the first step, is just humbly saying, maybe I don't know everything about God. That's where Nicodemus comes, and I want you to know that you approach God with baggage, whether you know it or not. It may be the denomination you grew up in. Maybe you grew up Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, whatever it is, but there's some denomination that put in to you something that you think this is how God has to be. This is what God can and can't do. Maybe for you, it's just, it's other ideas. Maybe it's this guilt that you say, you know what, God would never use someone like me, and you bring this baggage into your relationship with God, whether you know it or not. It could be that you have these, well, you know, the real God, a God would never do this. And there's something there that you say God would never do. And as long as you think God might do that, you'll never do it. You'll never go near him. So when we approach God, we have to approach him with humility. So the first question I want to ask you is this. Where in your life right now have you think, you know, this problem either can't be solved or, you know what, someday I'll, I, it'll, it'll work itself out. But right now there's nothing that can be done for this. I want to just challenge you right now. Maybe there's more that God wants to do in your life. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's being facetious here, by the way. He's not an idiot. He's not saying, Huh, i got to go back into my mom's womb. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Okay, this is a weird thing to say. You know, you can't be born Again, Jesus answers, and Jesus clarifies. Most of us don't understand what Jesus is saying when he says you must be born again. Jesus clarifies it. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. The second thing I want to show you is that knowing God continues with submission. It continues with submission. What do you mean, okay? When he says born again, he's, he's actually talking about this idea of submission. Now, not one person in this room chose to be born, okay? No one chose to be born. Your parents chose, and they might not even chose, let's be real, but you, somebody else chose, okay, for you to be born. But yet you live your life like you're in total control of everything. You live your life as if you're just making everything happen, and you didn't even make yourself be here, let alone anything else in life. But yet, you live as if you're in total control of everything. And you live as if you're in control of God. I know God. If I need God, I'll pray, and God will move here, and, I'll hide, and He's going to do whatever I want. And Jesus says, listen, if you want to really enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. You have to understand that being born is something that happens to you. 
Only this one, you submit to this. God is going to move, and right now God is moving. Jesus is saying to him, right now God is moving, right now. And you have to submit. You have to say, I'm going to be born of the Spirit, because I can't make God do anything. But when God is doing something, I can ride the wave. When God is doing something, I can decide, I'm going to submit to God. Right now, I believe God is moving in some of your lives. And it's not that you wish you would move. It's that you're not submitting to him. You'll never learn to swim if you don't jump in the pool. You'll never, ever, ever truly know who God is unless you submit to him. That is how you learn the character of God. You learn his character by submitting to him and trusting him. You know, uh, when I was in third grade, my sister had invited her friend over. His name was Colby. Um, and I, I've told this story about five years ago. Most of you probably don't remember this. You don't remember my messages, let alone my illustrations. I'm going to trust, okay? Colby come, came over. He was a fifth grader. And we were wrestling around. I was in third grade. And I got Colby on the ground. And I was holding him down. And I started yelling to Colby, I'll let you up when you say, Joel is the greatest. That's all I could think of, okay? And so I'd hold him down. And he would say, Joel is the greatest. And we would laugh. My sister would laugh. We'd all laugh. And and every time he came over, I would wrestle with him, I'd get him on the ground, and I'd make him say something like that, okay? And then one day at school, at recess, Colby's out, he's in fifth grade, and the third graders are out there too, and I'm at recess. My sister's not around, but I go up to Colby, and he says, hey, Joel, and I grab Colby, and I try to put him on the ground, and he looks at me and says, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, I'm going to make you say Joel is the greatest in front of everyone. And he, I will never forget he grabs his arms around me, and he says, Joel, not here. I was just kidding. That was a joke. I like you. Don't do this. And when he, he says that, I relaxed, and I realized I better submit. And, I, and I, I didn't. I said, oh, this is not who I thought he was. And I realized at that moment how great a guy he was, though. Instead of embarrassing me, he really, really just said, hey, I don't want to embarrass you. I like you. You'll never know the character of God unless you submit, unless you make the decision, you know what, I don't know anything about God. I, th I think I know things about him, but I've got to find out, I've got to submit, and that's what Nicodemus does. No one chooses, you can't choose your timing, but it could be that God is moving around you, but you're not in charge. And when the disciples came in contact with Jesus, they, there were times where they wanted to walk away. Jesus even looked at his disciples and said, are you going to walk away too? And, and, and Peter just looks and says, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. He says, we've got to submit. I have no choice to submit. You have revealed yourself as God. So Nicodemus says to him, how can these things be? Jesus answers him. As, are you a teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand these things? You are someone who's teaching people about God, and you don't understand who God is. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. I have told you these earthly things, and you don't believe. How can you believe when I tell you the heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And now Jesus is about to be very clear. Because Nicodemus has come to him humbly. And he's been willing to submit and to learn. And so the third thing I want to tell you is that, the, that God is revealed in the Gospels. The true God is revealed in the Gospel. And Jesus is actually going to, to state the, the Gospel in four different ways right here. Now, if you're new to Christianity, or maybe you're just confused sometimes the message is jumbled, what is the Gospel? What does it mean? The word Gospel means good news. It just means the good news of God. 
But Jesus is going to say it clearly four different ways. The first thing he says is, he says, And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and said, So must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And you may look at that and say, That is not clear. What is he talking about being lifted up? Well, he's referring to something that Nicodemus would have been very familiar with. A story in the Old Testament when the Hebrews are hangry, okay? They've come out of Egypt, and they have nothing to eat. They have nowhere to go, and they are hangry. They literally want some food. They, they, they don't like they, At least when they were slaves, they had, you know, some food on the table. And so they're grumbling. They're mad at God. They're grumbling at Moses. And so God says, hey, if you don't like the desert, I'm going to show you what the desert is. And he lets the desert be the desert, and snakes come in. And at night when they're sleeping, snakes start biting them. And they start getting bitten by snakes. In fact, Gets so bad that Moses prays God, what, uh, prays to God, what are we going to do? All the people are getting bitten by poisonous snakes. And, and so God tells him, I want you to make a bronze snake and lift it up. And he lifts up the snake. And all you had to do was look at this snake, this bronze snake. And if you had been bitten by a snake, you would be healed immediately just by looking at the snake. And it took faith, right? Because if somebody says, I'm going to fix your snake bite, if you'll just look at this bronze snake, you think that's ridiculous. I'm not going out of my tent. I'd rather stay here and sleep in comfort or whatever. But yet they would drag themselves out to where they could get a picture of this lifted up snake. And so Jesus specifically says, hey, everything that in the Old Testament that's been pointing to this moment to me, and he says the Son of Man, that's how he refers to himself, The Son of Man must be lifted up. So the first thing you need to know about the gospel is that Jesus is the gospel. That Jesus is everything the Old Testament is pointing to and everything the New Testament is pointing to. The second statement he says, and this one you've actually seen on billboards or whatever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. And and this is another nuance. He says, God so loved the world, because there's a lot of people who thought, God is angry at the world, God hates the world, the the world is the enemy. And so now he reveals, you know what? The world is not the enemy, you are not the enemy, you're the point. The whole point of, of Jesus speaking is to tell you, you're the point, he loves you, God so loved you. And that's a a new way to look at what God is really like, because many of us bring in our baggage and we think, God doesn't really love me. He may love me, but he doesn't like me. He doesn't really want to be around me. But Jesus says, no, 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 you're the point. He loves you. He came into this world for you. He says it again a different way in verse 17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Some of us, we think religion is about just shaming us, guilting us. I'm not good enough. And maybe you've done something in your life that has put a stigma on you, and you think, I'll never be good enough. And Jesus says, well, you're looking at the, you're bringing your baggage in. That's not who God is. You thought you knew God, who God was, and that made you shameful, or that made you guilty. But Jesus says, I didn't come, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. I came here to forgive the world. You see, if you submit yourself to, to this, to the true God, you find that he's not what you thought he was like. And Nicodemus is going through this. Then he says, whoever believes him is not condemned. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. And so this is where some of us bring this baggage in. You know what? I I believe in God. I, I would love God, but I'm still evil. I still do bad things. I still am not good enough. I'm still 
struggling. I'm a bad mother. I'm a bad co You know, I can't provide like I'd like to for my family. I'm still not good. How can I, how can I go before God and say, God, you know, I'm okay? Even though I believed, I believe it, but there's no way God could undo what I've done. And that's us bringing our baggage in. Because Jesus, when he gives the gospel, he says, whoever believes is not condemned, past tense. You're already not condemned. So you don't have to do anything else. You're already saved when you believe. All these pictures of the gospel are rearranging what, what Nicodemus already thought he knew about God. And I promise you, somewhere in there, if you'll really look at what Jesus is saying, maybe you think, you know what? I'm just not good enough. I'm just not the type of guy that God uses. I'm just not the, the type of, uh, of girl that God is going to grab a hold and say, hey, I love you. I want to I wanna do great things through you. That's, that's, that's what we carry in. But I'm here to tell you what Jesus says. You're not a bad mother. You're not an addict. You are not unworthy. You are not unqualified. You are not a loser. You are not those things. You are forgiven. You are qualified. He has qualified you. You are not condemned. And so all of a sudden, everything gets rearranged in Nicodemus of who God really is. And he begins to, to realize that every day is an opportunity to learn about God more. In fact, um, history, and, and we'll see, Nicodemus pops up in the Old Testament. He's still following Jesus. In fact, he's at Jesus' burial. He stayed close to Jesus his whole life. And one of the things that's interesting about that, he began to realize, you know what, if I don't know God, the true God, then I will hide in my sins. But Jesus called God Daddy. He called him his father, Daddy. And, and, and instead of hiding your sins, you should run to your father. You should let him know, hey, I've, I've messed up. And that's where you get the forgiveness of God. But if you don't have a right picture of God, you will hide from God. You will run from God when you should run to God. You will remain bitten in the desert. The last thing I want to show you is this. Knowing God is an invitation to new life. It says, and this is the judgment. Jesus is speaking. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked, wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest he, his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes into the light so that it may be clearly seen in him that his works have been carried out in God. What would it look like if your life was one in which everyone sees your life and says, you know what, everything they do is God is just doing it through them. And maybe you're going through hard times, maybe financially and all those things. Life is still happening to you, but you walk around as if, you know what, you are blessed by God. And people see that at all times. They see God is moving. Even when life is happening to you, God is moving in you. What would that look like? Because that's the, the vision of what we want people to see is that it's an invitation for people to see your life as the light of God. Now, this is an invitation that again, is coming at you right now. It's always coming. God is always giving you this invitation, but you've got to make the decision. Is this the day? And you'll tell yourself, you know what, I've got to get things in order before I can get right in God. Or you know what, I'm just not quite the church person. But I'm telling you, all of those things are not what God says. That's what you are saying, and you are going to miss what, the whole point. You don't know what God is going to do next. You don't know if the invitation comes again, but God is moving 
I believe he's moving in this moment. I believe he's been moving in your life many, many times. And your job is to accept the invitation. Now, if you've never accepted Christ, today is the day you should say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to look at the, the bronze serpent. I want to humble myself, and I want to accept this free gift. And this is the day. And if that's you, hey, don't leave here without talking to me or one of our, or somebody here in this church. Don't leave this place without accepting this invitation that God gives. You can even go online. You can go on ConnectionPoint.life and find Accept Jesus. It's always at the bottom of the sermon notes. You can always click that, and we'll follow up. He also talks about baptism. That's one of the things some of you in, in here have, have been hesitating to get baptized. And Jesus says you need to be born of water and spirit. And baptism is the picture that when we follow Christ, that's what he gives us. And so some of you in here have never been baptized as adults, as believers. And you need to make that decision. We're going to have a baptism, by the way. Good plug, huh? November 16th, Saturday, we're going to have a party and some baptisms, okay? More information will be coming. But if you've never been baptized, you need to sign up and get baptized. The baptism is a picture of what we believe. We go into the water. It's a picture of the death of Jesus. We're raised out of water. It's not only a picture of Jesus being raised from the dead. It's a picture of the new life we have in Christ. But what most of you, what I want to, to show you is none of us in here know God the way we think we know God. There are still things we're learning. You know, in the last, I, I've been preaching for 20 years, and, and, and the, I know I look young. Y'all stop it. Now, in the last two years, I've had more questions about God, more awe at who God is than in the previous 18. I'm still learning so much about who God is. You never stop learning about an infinite God. Yet there are some of us who, we say we know enough about God. We say we know who God is, but we don't seek Him every day. We don't seek to know Him every day. We don't come to Him every single day. And so my challenge for this church is to be people who seek God every day by reading His Word. I just spent three weeks before this telling you why the Bible is the Bible, how we got it. Now let's apply that. My, my hope is that we can commit every single day to reading the Bible. And so I'm trying to make this easy for you. If you'll go on your phones, you'll see there's an invitation that on the Bible app, I've set up a, a, a Bible reading plan for the next 30 days. It's going to start November 1st, okay? Now, the good thing about this, by the way, is it's only like one or two verses uh, a day. It's really, really easy. It's just the names of God. God has many different names that people will call God, and it's just revealing His character, knowing who God is by His names. So I want to challenge some of you in here. Maybe you're not reading the Bible and you think, I'm not just going to jump in and read the entire Bible. Start and read with me. And when you do this, it's interactive. Like after I read, I'll say, hey, this is what God showed me in this. And then you'll say, and it's a very, it's a very interactive time, but it's a time for us to read the Bible together. And if you're already in another Bible reading plan, hey, you can read two more verses. Come on. I want, it, I want everyone in this church, is, is my challenge to you, is to sign up on this Bible reading plan. If you can't figure it out now, just email me or something. We'll get you hooked up. But my vision is that you know God. That it, every problem you have in life, everything, every prayer you have starts with you knowing who God really is. You'll never grow in the true image of God. You'll never see God really move until you understand who He is and who He says you are. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for 
for this church. I thank you so much for every single person that's here today. But if we're honest, Lord, there are so many of us that take you for granted. Perhaps we think we know enough about you that we can get by. Or perhaps we think, you know what, the problems I'm dealing with in life have nothing to do with God. Lord, today I pray that you'll open our eyes, that you'll show us that everything that you're going, <laughs> to, that everything we face is a problem which you could and want to answer for us. And it may not be the way we want it. In fact, it'll probably be through a person that we never see coming. But Lord, I pray that every single person in here today will make a decision. I want to know you more. I want to know who you really are and not who I've been telling myself you are. Not who I've been telling myself you would never accept me or I'm good enough and I don't need to do any. I don't need to continue to seek you. Lord, I pray we'll have a motivation. I just want to know who you are and I want to follow you. And in the process, Lord, I pray that you'll not only change our lives, that it'll spill over into our community and our world and people will know how great you are because of what you've done in our own life. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.